Listen to every MLB game live. The deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is gone. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. And watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field, it's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to at bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Yeah, New York, New York. So nice, they named it twice. Keith McPherson on the fan, taking your calls, talking through all the sports topics on a Wednesday night. Second week of March. Just trying to get to the spring. Spring is coming. Daylight savings is going to hit this weekend. Opening day is coming. March Madness is coming. We haven't really talked too much March Madness. I think we will once Selection Sunday hits, which is this Sunday. These conference tournaments are coming to an end, and I'll get my eyes on the scores and uh, what's going on with that. But I mean, we still got we we still got a few calls, and we're still talking Daniel Jones and Aaron Rodgers, and that's perfectly fine. And now we've got some calls about these MLB ballparks. Uh, you know, last night I was on late, and I was talking about Wrigley, and Brian McKeon was with me, and he was going through the places he's been. I think I said I've been to fourteen or fifteen ballparks. I think he's been to over twenty. That's impressive to me. I, I I appreciate it when someone can say they've seen X amount of MLB ballparks. And what I was also saying about, you know, sports and traveling to see sports in general, the ballparks are all different. They all have a personality. They have different field dimensions. They have different foods and customs and different things about them that are, like, enchanting if you're a baseball fan and you get to go see how other fan bases do it. But I feel like that doesn't exist the same for, like, the NBA Somewhat, but, it, you know, for the most part, it's a basketball court and there's seats. It's an arena. Uh, for the NFL, there's some of that, but at the same time, really, it's just like the tailgate culture and comparing tailgates. And then when you get into uh, the football stadium, for the most part, it's, uh, you know, the stadium is the seats, unless it's a dome. Some of the, you know, like I've been to Atlanta. I can appreciate Atlanta's place. I've been to Soldier Field. I've, I've been to Jerry World. I can appreciate Jerry World. I've been to... Uh, the Jaguars Stadium. Obviously, I've been to MetLife Stadium, which I don't think has much personality. I don't really enjoy ever going to East Rutherford for concert, game, anything. It is what it is. Uh, they had an opportunity to blow us away with that stadium, and it's been underwhelming. I don't know where else I've gone. I can't wait to go to SoFi. I can't wait to go to Allegiant Stadium. But now I'm talking about NFL stadiums I want to go to. and We can do that, too, you know, Uh but last night, and it's hard to it's hard to have a show and a good topic that caught on between one and two a.m. and then carry it over to you know ten o'clock the next day. But I know there were some listeners that were listening last night that didn't get to call in. So if you were one of them and you had a story, like we had someone call and talk about you know them catching John Carlos Stanton's three hundredth home run at you know the last series in Globe Life Park. Um, you know, stories about the old Yankee Stadium and uh, getting arrested outside Yankee Stadium. And you know, we talked about how, you you know, people come to Yankee Stadium and they don't know where they are. They have no idea where they are. The first time, a lot of people go, myself included. And even though I'm from here, you know, like the first time you come to Yankee Stadium, it can be daunting. It can be scary. We talked about Yankee Stadium security and how Yankee Stadium security, they are not necessarily nice to people, but that's because they have to establish dominance over the visitors in there so you know who's boss, so you don't start doing anything crazy or throwing things on the field or standing on things that you're not supposed to stand on. And 
when you go to other ballparks across the country, it's like there's no rules at all. You can sit where you want. You can do what you want. And uh, you should go experience that. You should go to Camden Yards and you should go to Wrigley and Fenway and Dodger Stadium and everywhere else in between. 877-337-6666. Let's get back to the phones. Let's get back to the calls. Eddie is in Rockland, New York, next up on The Fan. What's up, Eddie? What's up, Keith? How you doing, brother? I'm good. Can't complain. Happy to be here. All right. Uh, let me get a little bit on this Daniel Jones. You know, the beginning of the year, uh, I didn't think the Chicken Wall, obviously, without them taking the fifth-year option, you didn't think the Giants were going to resign him, and he had an above-average year. It's not really about Daniel Jones, but you're an ex-QB. Uh, what can the NFL, forget skipping college, you know, what can the NFL do to produce more quality quarterbacks? Because every year you already know the top four, five, six teams that are going to be there. And you don't see really every draft class, you know, you guys, you got, really there's no, there's no Michael Jordans. There's no... There's not that player anymore. Patrick Mahomes on his way. You, you haven't heard anything from somebody in college. You know, they, they, they talked up the Jacksonville quarterback, made believe he was going to be the next uh, John Elway. He might be. And, and before then, it was Andrew Luck. Ever since then, I really haven't heard. Like Daniel Jones. Going into the year they draft Daniel Jones, no one heard about Daniel Jones. Uh, so what yeah. do you think can be done to produce more – Top 10 ball players. Quarterbacks specifically. Thanks for the call, Eddie. It, it isn't so much about what can be done, right? There, I mean, uh, we talked about the Elite 11 tonight. There, There's a new crop of talent every year, every graduating class. But it's a hard position to play. I told you earlier, these quarterbacks don't grow on trees, man. It is hard to do. I thought I was good coming out in high school. Like Coming out of high school, I was the number three quarterback in the state of New Jersey, I went on to the Gov Ball, um, the Gov Ball, <laughs> not the festival, but the Governor's Bowl, New York versus New Jersey. We played up in West Point, and I felt slighted then. Story of my life. I always feel disrespected. I always feel like I got to prove myself. I go to practice that week, and there's a kid from, I can't even remember, I think, uh, shout out to Brett Brackett, who went to Penn State, and then they changed his position from quarterback to tight end. I think he was from Lawrenceville or Lawrence Township. And then there was another quarterback that went to Bowling Green. I can't remember his name, and I can't remember. Maybe he was from Tenafly. But they were ranked ahead of me, and so I had to go to practice and prove that I was the best quarterback. And I did. I had the, I had the most highlights, running the ball, throwing the ball, played hard. But politics got in the way where they said, mm, you're going to James Madison University. Uh, yeah, they're good. They're D1, AA, FCS. They're not as known as a Penn State or a Bowling Green. So this is what we're going to do. Uh, we're going to start Brett first. Also, Brett is 6'5", you know, like 230 pounds going to Penn State. We're going to start him first. We're going to give him the first two series. Then we're going to go to the second kid whose name escapes me. We're going to give him two series, and then we're going to go to you. <laughs> okay, cool. I remember watching those first two series, nothing. I remember watching those next two series, a little ball movement, but no points. I got my opportunity, lit it up, throwing the deep ball, running the ball, whatever. We end up finding the end zone. Cool. I proved myself then. 
I thought I was a man after that. Honestly, I think that's where I peaked. I think that was my greatest moment. Because when I went to college, I went to James Madison University, and of course I trained and I worked out. But, man, when I got to JMU and I saw the difference in just level of football, everybody's bigger. Everybody's faster. Everybody knows what they're doing. Everybody's smart. Here you go. Here's a new playbook to learn. So just being able to throw the ball and run and take a hit and be tough, there's so many other things. You got to know the plays. You got to know the protection. You got to know what the defense is doing. You got to call it out. How many safeties are up there? One, two. Are they a man there in zone? Where's the mic? Where's the will? Where's the Sam? What's the protection? Look at the three technique. Where's he shading? Like You need to know these type of things in a hot environment. Training camp is 95 degrees. You're sweating. And... I've told you guys a story like my freshman year playing quarterback for the first week or two, you were live. I had to earn a red jersey just to protect myself, right? The red jersey that the quarterback wears, you know, you can't touch the quarterback. I had to take hits and earn it. it it's hard to do. It is so hard to do, man. I was There were times I hated it. I wanted to go home, and I eventually did. I transferred home to Monmouth University. I got out of there after my second season being third-string quarterback, the backup's backup. That was always my my line with the ladies. You know, you go to a football party or you go to a frat party, and I used to always, I, I, was, I was in with the frat guys, the baseball team. I used to always be in parties. Oh, you play football? Yeah. What position you play? Quarterback. Ding in there. <laughs> you're, you're a starting quarterback? No, nah, I'm the backup's backup. Don't even worry about it. I'm third-string. I'm the backup's backup. It's hard to do, man. It was hard for me to be a student athlete, professional partying, backup, backup quarterback. That's why I have a ton of respect for a guy like Daniel Jones. I have a ton of respect for a guy like Kenny Pickett coming out of my hometown, who I paved the way for. I walked so Kenny could run. My coaches got a crash course in going to UConn and UVA and Maryland and Rutgers and working out with me and training with me and seeing what these college coaches wanted. I had my high school coach on this radio station. I had Kenny Pickett call in. It is not easy to become a college-level quarterback and then take the next step, which is super rare, and being an NFL quarterback. But every year, there's a bunch of guys. Kenny was really the only guy last year, and I told you guys that leading up. I'm like, I'm hoping he falls to Pittsburgh. He was the first quarterback taken, and the drop-off between him and Malik Willis, right? I laugh now when I think about how people are saying Malik Willis should have been drafted over Kenny. No way. Look at what Kenny did as a freshman through senior four years at Pitt. You need reps. You need time. That's why I'm also looking at Daniel Jones. Like, yo, he just went through four years of NFL. Like, he's going to grow. He's going to be better. So the question was, what can the NFL do to produce more of these guys? There's nothing you could do. Everybody's got a quarterback coach, quarterback guru, quarterback whisperer. I've mentioned Tony Rassiopi on this uh, station who's trained Kenny Pickett for seven years. I wish I had Tony. You know, Tony's doing camps and stuff, and he's always working with these quarterbacks that end up going to Division One schools or trying to work. He worked with Davis Webb, guys that are trying to get into the league. It is hard. It is one of the hardest things to do in sports to be an NFL quarterback. They don't grow, grow on trees, and that's why I'm saying – the Giants locked up their guy that they drafted six overall, that they dragged through the mud, that they did everything to count against. They did not make it easy for this kid. And he overcame it. He fought through the adversity. In year one of the rebuild, he wins games. He takes care of the ball. I don't care about the 22 total touchdowns. I care about the fact that he found ways to win. 
That's the number one quality in a quarterback. Is he throwing away the game, or is he finding ways to win the game? Dak Prescott finds ways to throw away the game, finds ways to not be able to complete the passes, move the offense in the biggest games. Daniel Jones is pretty even-keeled. I think when he has weapons around him, I think when they get a little bit better and they do get to bigger games in the divisional round, the conference round, you're going to see the same guy. He's not going to get rattled. These kids don't grow on trees. These quarterbacks are not that readily available. That's why you always see a QB uh, carousel. And that's why you see guys like Josh Allen getting $400 million-plus contracts and, and Patrick Mahomes getting $400 million-plus contracts. They didn't give Daniel Jones $400 million. This little $160, $40 million a year, the way it's structured, it's not that bad. And now we're going into the draft. It's day and night from last year. Kenny Pickett was the only quarterback prospect taken in the first round. Now they're talking about four, maybe five guys going. Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud, Anthony Richardson, Will Levis. They're thinking all of these guys can potentially be gone in the first 10 picks. It's a quarterback-driven league. These guys don't grow on trees, and that's why the Giants couldn't afford to let Daniel Jones slip away or let him get upset or let somebody else entertain him. They locked up their guy. It was the best thing for them to do. It played out exactly how it was supposed to. 877-337-6666. Let's keep it rolling, man. Let's go to Scott in Nanuet, New Jersey on the fan. Hello, Scott. Hey there, Keith. Listen, I'm, I'm first of all, just my background, I'm old enough to be your dad, so I'm 60 years old. Okay. And I have had the pleasure and, uh, and, uh, been humbled to go to more, uh, Major League Baseball stadiums that are closed and demolished than are currently standing. That's great. But, I, I love that, but, not to cut you off, but we were talking about that last night. Like, to be able to say you've been to the old Yankee Stadium or Comiskey or the Metrodome or like some of these places that don't exist anymore—that's super cool to me. Yeah, I'm, and uh, you know, I'm I'm a I'm a Pittsburgher as well. So, you know, I, I cut my teeth at Forbes Field back in the day before mm-hmm. you know that went to the wayside. And I, you know, I got to see I got to see the first World Series night game in person. I got to see Clemente's three thousand hit in person. Awesome. I have I have I have a great background and. Like I said, I've been to about half of the currently standing ballparks and, again, about 30 others that aren't anymore, you know, and, and some that are, but uh, no longer doing baseball. Turner Field, but, uh, uh, what's the old uh, Tigers? I can't think of the Tigers' old place. Tiger Stadium, yeah, that, that's Tiger one, Stadium, way, yeah. Now so it's. I've been, to, uh, I've been to Park Fury. It's still around, believe it or not. So, you know, I, I've been to all kinds of places, but um, the list of current ballparks thing that the, you were mentioning earlier, um, if it. If PNC Park is not number one or number two, the list basically is is irrelevant. Um, <laughs> PNC Park really is actually is. number five. Well, PNC Park at number five, it, it, that's the, the the list is bogus uh, as far as I'm <laughs> concerned. Because Dodger Stadium is the, the thing about Dodger Stadium is it yes it is the second oldest park in the National League, right? Yes, it is the only symmetrical ballpark in the National League. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, but yes, the fans do leave in the seventh inning. Um, because yeah, that traffic so sucks. I've been in that. that you you can't you get know, out I, I, for I, an I, hour. I, I went there. I went there in 1992. I I saw you know I saw the Pirates play on a West Coast swing that my my wife inadvertently uh, stumbled upon by giving me things that these are the dates I want to go to California. Fine. So I actually went to Candlestick. Spent the coldest night in my life there on a Friday night. Went to Dodger Stadium. Went to Jack Murphy Stadium. But no, Dodger Stadium is is not even close to PNC Park. It's 
it's probably somewhere. It's in the top ten because of its age and its, uh, you know, and the history and all. But but it, it's not number three. You, you probably it's, didn't and, catch my show last night. I went on and on about how great the baseball experience is in Pittsburgh. I went to PNC Park when the Yankees went out there in 2017, and I loved it. I didn't. I didn't want to go home. I'm like, this is oh, how they the do way, baseball. Oh, yeah. But by the way, um. The, the Yankees are actually playing the Pirates the weekend of uh, September. September 15, 16, mm-hmm. and 17. And September 15 is Roberto Clemente Day in the major leagues. Yeah, it's so, a weekend, too. Um, I'm, I'm I'm thinking about it already. <laughs> yeah, if people want to go out there, it's a great place to go. Tickets are usually like half price from, from Yankee Stadium. That, too. The, your seats are excellent. And uh, if you go on the Friday or Saturday night, they have good promotions. Yeah, giveaways, fireworks. fireworks Yep. Trust me, I know, bro. I I went out in 2017. I thought about going last year, and I remember how packed it was that first game. And and the Pirates players said that was like their World Series. It was sold out. I I may try and get there this September for sure because it's great. I I just don't want to do that drive ever again. Well, the drive's not bad. You just have to suck it up and go and, and six you know, hours keep... from New York to Pittsburgh. It is it is not it, it, entertaining. There there are worse drives, I assure you, because I've taken them. <laughs> but listen, I really appreciate the opportunity. But again, any list of current ballparks or PNC is not number one or number two um, has no validity in my eyes. Hey, I'm with you, Scott. Thanks for that call. PNC Park in Pittsburgh, where the Pirates play. Last night I talked about how you can go in there and sit where you want. I talked about how I went all the way up to the highest seats behind home plate and the view of the river and the Roberto Clemente Bridge and the city. It's it's ridiculous. It's one of the best backdrops in baseball. The people know how to party out there. I went to, I think, a Saturday uh, afternoon game and then a Sunday, like, like a 4 o'clock Saturday game, then like a 1 o'clock Sunday game. And I went to their McFadden's. I think they have a bar out there called 412. And everybody showed me love. Uh, I had my Yankees gear on. I had my my Yogi player tee on. And people were, were digging that. Obviously, the Yogi connection. Uh, there's a sax man that used to play a, uh, his saxophone on the bridge for tips. I, I messed around with that guy, interacted with that guy, got him to play a few jams. Um, I love how they like sell stuff out there. They have the the huge Roberto Clemente statue. They have the museum out there. Like if you're a baseball fan and you're looking for a place to go, the Yankees go out there. The Mets obviously go out there, but the Yankees don't go out there as much this year. If you can book a trip, and if you're down to go with a group, then maybe uh, somebody drive two hours, somebody drive two hours, another guy drive two hours. Pittsburgh is one of the best baseball experiences, ballparks, all of that. And even like, you know, the food and the bars and the party life afterwards, it's, it's all great out there in P-Town. Keith McPherson on the fan. We're talking sports, obviously. I got to take another break. Uh, when we come back, I'll reset the table a little bit. But like I said, this last like 90 minutes is usually open mic, whatever you guys want to talk about. Call me up and we'll do that right after this. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow, whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits. Shopify helps you sell everywhere, from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got 
you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odysseypodcast, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash odysseypodcast now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash odysseypodcast. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Yeah, right back at it on the fan. 90 minutes left in my show. This is Keith McPherson, your nighttime host. Another five-hour KM to AM. Thank you. For listening, thank you for calling, tweeting at me, at Keith McPherson. If I don't always respond, it's because I'm doing a ton of things. Like, during the break, I might step out, use the restroom. I might go get some chips. But for the most part, I'm Googling and I'm searching and I'm on Twitter trying to see what's popping up. I hate when I do a five-hour show and I miss something that's happening in sports news or in the sports world. And I don't even bring it to the table or mention it. Um, obviously, I got to have some type of thought or a take on it to do that. But let's continue. I said I'll reset the table a little bit. If you're on hold, stay on hold. I'll get to you. Obviously, today we talked Daniel Jones. That's done. Signed, sealed, and delivered. There's no debate about it. I don't think we need to really keep going over it. Daniel Jones is the quarterback for the GM, G-men the next few years. He he deserved the contract. It's good. I think it worked on both sides. Um, Aaron Rodgers, I've joked about. The Jets fans, the uh, Jet Jet fans, super friends, or Jet fan Justice League has to go save the day and go meet Aaron Rodgers. But, no, the Jets just have to get that done. The Jets have got to this point. They have to see it through. If he doesn't want to retire, which I don't think he does, if he doesn't want to go back to the Packers, which I think even if he did, I think the Packers are over it. There's no other team right now pursuing him. He's a Jet. So the Jets have to see this through. I don't know if they will. We got to wait on that. Aaron Rodgers seems to be the type of guy that likes people waiting on his decisions and his every move. He likes the attention. We talk Lamar Jackson. How can you not right now? Lamar Jackson was franchise tagged, and the Baltimore Ravens pretty much said, let's see what you're worth in the NFL market. And a bunch of teams came out and said, oh, we're not interested. We're not interested. We're not interested. I'm like, what? This is Lamar Jackson. I'm interested. I'm a Cowboys fan. Jerry Jones, do you have any interest? <laughs> no, Dak Prescott signed. He's going to be a $49 million cap hit this uh, season. And Ezekiel Elliott, who's washed, is $16 million. Smart business going on in, in Jerry world, right? Because Jerry and Stephen Jones do all the business. They won't do what the Giants did, which was go outside of the family and hire football guys, football people, an actual GM, an actual head coach. We'll see what Mike McCarthy looks like calling the plays for Dallas. 
anyway, that's not what we're talking about tonight at all. Uh, we hit a, on the you know the Knicks stories. Um, we hit on the Nets stories more so, not really the Knicks. The only Knicks story that was out there that I thought about mentioning was uh, the fact that they signed the uh, two-way contract and they're bringing um, Moses Malone. Nah, not Moses Malone. What's this guy's name? Moses Brown. Uh, they're bringing Moses Brown back, and uh, the Knicks will be back on the floor as they start their little West Coast trip tomorrow. The Nets are punting tomorrow. They're arresting Spencer Dinwiddie, uh, Cam Johnson, uh, a few other guys. So the Bucks are going to roll them, and that's fine, whatever. Um, other than that, in the NBA, there's a story right now popping up about Sean Kemp, and I'm not getting too deep into that. If somebody wants to call about uh, Sean Kemp, what's Sean Kemp's nickname? The Rain Man? Uh, Sean Kemp is involved in a drive-by shooting or was allegedly involved in a drive-by shooting. The headlines I'm seeing, Sean Kemp booked an alleged drive-by shooting in Washington. Sean Kemp is booked in connection with an alleged drive-by shooting in Tacoma. That is not great. But speaking of shooting and the NBA, John Morant will be suspended for another four games. Uh, He didn't shoot anyone, but... He's been connected to guns from uh, this strip club incident where he's on Instagram Live not thinking at all, flashing a little small gun that couldn't be any uh, larger than, uh, you know, four or five inches. That was like a BB gun. It didn't even look like a real gun. It better be a real gun. What are you doing, bro? But they couldn't charge him in Denver. Uh, There wasn't enough evidence to charge him with anything, and I was really hoping that, like, he didn't bring that – little mini gun on the plane with him because that's the Gilbert Arenas, 50 games. Like, that would be bad for John Morant and the Grizzlies. He's a guy who said, oh, I'm good in the West, and uh, he's not good right now. He's not in a a good spot right now. Other than that, uh, another story I did want to bring to the table because I spoke about it right when it happened. We even had a drop playing on WFAN where it says, uh, Keith McPherson at night. And then it has me say something like, yeah, there wasn't enough evidence. They tried to cancel him. It seemed like they tried to blackball him, frame him. Well, Michael Irvin, the playmaker, number 88, uh, I grew up obviously as a Dallas Cowboys fan, and he was a big part of that. Michael Irvin had his uh, situation with uh, Marriott, and obviously if you remember the Super Bowl, they sent him home from ESPN coverage and NFL Network coverage because allegedly he did something to a young woman in the hotel lobby of the Marriott in Phoenix. But we had no information on what was said, what happened, what he did. He didn't even remember himself. He said he had a couple drinks. Well, now uh, there's a little bit of video evidence on Twitter, and uh, one of the witnesses spoke that night, someone that he had taken a picture with that saw him completely, saw what he did. And, uh, man, a video went viral today of Michael Irvin in tears, crying. And just talking about like being a celebrity and not knowing how to approach people. It's it's just it's scary for me seeing a a fifty seven year old black man who is famous, right? I I'm not famous yet, but I understand, you know, meeting strangers and shaking their hands and taking pictures and Michael Irvin crying about um what happened to him because he's like, you know, I try to be nice to people, I try to lift people up, I try to take pictures with people. You just never know who's out there trying to frame you. And uh, it sucks. He likened it to a 2023 black man being lynched. I think that's extreme. I hate when we try to compare 
uh, slavery or lynching or those times to anything in modern day times. It, it's it's just not a good comparison. But you know the article in the Fort Fort Worth Star Telegram. The title is Dallas Cowboys Michael Irvin compares Marriott accusation to a 2023 black man lynching because he basically said he lost money, he lost his his livelihood, he didn't lose his life, but like he wasn't allowed to be at the Super Bowl covering the Super Bowl because someone lied on him. A woman accused him of misconduct, and he knew he didn't do anything wrong, but they weren't going to believe his word over hers, and now he's suing them for $100 million, and the Marriott doesn't really want to cooperate, but there are witnesses and there are people that have spoken out to say he did not do anything wrong. So other than that, those are the only stories that I haven't hit or covered. March Madness is coming up, but I think we can wait on that. We'll get into the weeds on that on my show tomorrow night after the Nets game and Friday night after the Nets game. Uh, I just, you know, I, I know that it like around here, there's not really a, a big rooting interest. Obviously, the biggest news is around Syracuse, and there's a lot of people that followed, you know, Syracuse with Jim Beheim being done. Um, I, I'll check the scores tonight, and I'll give you the scores tonight from some of the conference tournaments. They're not, they're all not final yet. Um, some of the smaller schools are final, so I, I guess I'll go and give you the scores. But other than that, we're talking ballparks and arenas and stadiums you've been to. We're still talking Daniel Jones and Giants. We're still talking. Aaron Rodgers and the Jets, and if any of the stories that I just put out there uh, made you think something and you want to bite on one of those, call me up at 877-337-6666. Open mic for the rest of the night. Keith McPherson, you've got me till 12. Let's go to Jerry out in Brooklyn next up on the fan. What's up, Jerry? Hey, Keith. How you doing? Good evening. I'm good. Thanks for holding. Thanks for calling. Yeah, I, I I loved what you were saying about Daniel a little while ago. Like you were talking about your, I didn't know that you were an athlete, you know, and you were talking about your growing pains, and you were talking about you know his, his you know how they put him through the ringer for the last his whole career basically and things like that, and he's still here, he's still right. Mm-hmm. Like it's because like let's say let's say Zach, Zach Wilson, right? Like everyone writing him off or this and that, like. Some guys physically are mature, right? Earlier than other guys, right? Yeah. Like not everybody's Larry Johnson, UNLV, right? Like <laughs> it just doesn't happen, right? But then ment- mentally ready is even bigger, right? So like some guys are just better mentally prepared. And like Zach, let's say for a for, for good, uh, what's it called? Like you just see that he's just still a young and mature kid, you right. know? But like talent-wise, he's, you know, so like... For Daniel, you know what I love about Daniel is that, like, you don't hear him talk about it. You don't hear him whine or cry or or anything of that nature, right? Like, he's just even keel constantly. Or he could have keeled over from everything that he's been through throughout his career. And then my final point, like, yesterday I was calling to the radio somewhere because a guy was talking. He was a giant fan, too. And he was talking about, like, you know, I don't want no more excuses because he signed the contract. You know what I mean? Like, uh, but like, if you're a football fan, like these aren't excuses. Like, like I was saying to the guy, like Patty throws to Kelsey and a bunch of, and and had Tyreek before with him. Burrow, who look who he throws to and things of that nature. Like some guys are just in such better environments yeah. and have all these things. Right. And like, you know, like this kid has been, you know, he's been hurt. Saquon just came back after several years. There's no line. There's no really receivers. Like the receivers that he had were just, uh, we're not going to call them bums, but it's just, we, we all know they weren't there. They didn't have nothing. Yeah. So, you know, right. Like the, the thing is, 
It's not an excuse to say that he played behind one of the worst offensive line lines in the league. We have we have numbers, we have film, we have stats that back that up. It's not an excuse to say that he had nobody that was a household name at receiver. Darius Slayton, like he had nobody that anybody looked at as a dominant receiver in this NFL. When that, like you need that, you need guys that can beat coverage, that can get separation. It is not. An excuse to say that he had different head coaches and offensive coordinators and different systems. They made it so hard for Daniel Jones. Any of these things could have broken that young man, and he fought through adversity, and he stayed even-keeled, and that is why he is paid now, and I think he's going to keep the same focus, the same work ethic, and be even better next year for it. I absolutely agree with you. One more thing, and you know what else I said? I, I just I'm gonna hang up after, and I'm curious what you're gonna say. I'm not a big fan, but because like now we so really like now what do we do, right? Like now we're gonna okay, he signed, we have somewhat of money, we're gonna go out and get these weapons that he. I'm not a big fan of let's say bringing in let's say DeAndre Hopkins, right? Like I want, I said I, I would I, I would rather like if we really look like. um we just gave up Kadarius Tony to these guys. The guy shines in the Super Bowl, right? Like, like the kids in the kids in what's it called in Cincinnati? They're they're all through the draft. When the Giants were winning championships with Victor Cruz and Hockey Knicks, these are all through the draft. I'm not like we just we just bombed on Galladay, right? Like we we we, we I'm not a big you know what I mean. They very well could draft a receiver. Multiple yeah, receivers. You know I mean? They might not I'm be going good. after Hopkins. They might not be going after Odell Beckham Jr. Because I, I do feel like they want to protect their culture. They want to protect their locker room and the vibe that they've created. If you go and bring in a Hopkins or an Odell Beckham Jr. that are over 30 years old, that have been in the league, that are superstars, they're coming in with their own mentality. You know, they, they might not necessarily buy in to, you know, what you have established. You bring a rookie in, he's got no choice but to, you know, fall in line. Yeah, I got you. I, I, you know what? When you mention Odell, it's because I they keep showing him and stuff. Um, even though we know, you know, but Odell, would, I I feel like Odell these days is different than the Odell we had before, right? Like, and plus he's he's a Super Bowl winner now and things of that nature. Like, but I feel like he could come on the cheap, whereas DeAndre is going to expect large money. The, the New York and, Giants were in on the Odell sweepstakes. At the end of the season, when it was rumored that the Bills took a visit with him and the Cowboys, they should be in on him again. He is more mature. He is a different man now. He's a father now. He's a Super Bowl champion now. He's over 30 now, and he's got a chip on his shoulder. He's trying to prove that he's still him. He's trying to prove that he can come back in this NFL and still be a dominant receiver. I absolutely think the Giants should be checking on him. Thanks for the call, Jerry. Just moving the line along here. We got to take a break. Man, I swear these shows burn fast. <laughs> like... Five hours used to feel like such a long time to like stack notes and things to have conversations on. But now I'm just like doing the job. Keith McPherson on the fan. We've got about an hour left. Call me up 877-337-6666. We'll be back after this quick timeout. Keith McPherson on the fan, your nighttime host. Checking back in for a couple minutes and then we'll break again. We'll go to the update, top of the hour. And then we've got... One hour left of a five-hour KM to AM. Let's rock. We've talked about a lot. Uh, There's still more to talk about, though. If you're into sports like I'm into sports, the conversation never ends. 
And I'm looking forward to talking to everyone that's on the line and everyone that calls the rest of the night. This is my last five-hour show this week. I'll be on later after the Nets games the next two nights, and I do understand that that's a different audience, different group, but maybe I'll catch you then. Let's get back to the phones. 877-337-6666. Talking sports on the fan. Young Josh and Passaic. Welcome back, young man. Hey, Keith. How you doing? Good, good, good. How are you? Great. And the Jets with Aaron Rodgers kind of reminding me, like, with OBJ and the Cowboys, right? Going on Twitter, trying to get him there. You know, now the Jets players trying to get him there, meeting him. But with the Giants, I mean, Saquon Barkley, I'm not really pro him getting a contract because I feel like running backs are pretty replaceable. I know, obviously, Saquon Barkley is not replaceable. You could get a pretty good enough running back. I mean, think about it. Right, you play fantasy football. What happens when a running back goes down? He gets injured. The next running back, the next running back up, is like the most valuable guy to pick up from waivers. Of course, you can find an Isaiah Pacheco, a Jarek McKinnon, like I did in fantasy this year. You can find a Ramondre Stevenson. You can find uh, somebody to fill in that'll give you production. I think for the Giants, though, Saquon is bigger than just replacing his production. Um, he catches passes. He is a face of the franchise, a captain, a leader, and he kind of sets the tone for them. Before Daniel Jones uh, really became Daniel Jones of this season, they were relying on Saquon. Saquon was the known commodity. He was the guy you could count on. You could kind of ride Saquon, and they did. Saquon uh, you know, was, was the guy that they were going to to win the game, to score in the red zone when they needed a big play. It was Saquon. When they didn't have a play, it was Saquon. So I, I do understand running backs being replaceable in the league, but the same way I've been preaching that Daniel Jones was worth what he was worth to the Giants and nobody else was going to give him that contract, they locked up their guy. He means that much to them. I think some of that also can be translated um, into Saquon Barkley in his next deal. But he is a running back, and in this league, you're not paying running backs. He's not going to get a Christian McCaffrey, Alvin Kamara, Ezekiel Elliott-type deal. I really hope that he revisits the negotiating table and – they go back to that $12 million a year offer, and maybe they go in and, um, you know, find out a way to finagle that where he makes a little bit more. And then also might just be like the game runs. Like, look at the Panthers this year, right? After they traded McCaffrey, and they formed like a machine. He was getting 100-yard games. Hubbard was also adding like 50, 60 yards. So really it might just be the type of team you are, and I'd rather the Giants get a guy like I saw them looking into like a guy like Jalen Ramsey or like Jordan Poirier. I'd rather somebody like that instead of Barkley. Yeah, for to shore up the defense, I think, will be more important. But Saquon is your guy. You use the number two overall pick on him. Saquon is the guy with the most sold jerseys. Saquon is the guy that's been through the most. And I just look at him as a leader of the team and a guy that young people can come into the organization and look at Saquon. Everybody knows Saquon. They can look at Saquon to help lead the way. But, yeah, the same way I say these quarterbacks don't grow on trees, these running backs kind of do. Okay, have a good night. Thanks for the call, Josh. I mean, everybody's got different value, right? Everybody, One man's trash is another man's treasure. That's the extreme. But, like, the value that these guys have to the New York Giants, I think, is more than they have outside of that building. I would like to see Saquon Barkley get paid because the same things that I preach about Daniel Jones, you can say about Saquon Barkley. He's a good guy. I want to see the good guys win. He battled through adversity, injuries, uh, different coaches, different coordinators, different systems, uh, just you know, losing seasons. He, he fought through that. He's the same guy that told you last offseason, hey, if you switched up on me, stay over there. 
and a lot of you didn't listen. A lot of you were ready to write Saquon off, and he didn't write back. Saquon Barkley had a great season, and he knew that he would once he got healthy. Let's say he's having another good offseason, and he goes into next year and can duplicate that or maybe even more. And the last thing I'll say before we get another call, I always say this about Saquon. When Saquon first came into the league and he was dominant like that, yeah, it was because he was young and fresh legs and coming out of Penn State, but it was the way that they used him, and it was the fact that you had to pick your poison. Who are you going to stop, Odell Beckham Jr. or Saquon? If they get another weapon, then that opens up things for Saquon. You can't just gear up for the Giants by putting eight guys in the box. 877-337-6666 if you want to weigh in on the Giants and Saquon. Let's talk Jets. Rich is in Westchester, New York on the fan. Hello, Rich. How are you, Keith? Great, man. Thank you for joining the show. Good, good. Thank you. So I got a, a, a point about the Jets and Derek Carr and the Yankee, a quick Yankee point. Okay. My point on Derek Carr is the Jets, it's a blessing in disguise they didn't get Derek Carr. I'm a huge Raider fan. He has not been the same since he hurt his knee. He's very skiddy in the, in the pocket. He, is, he throws the ball way too early without a rush because he doesn't want to get hit, and he doesn't scramble. In my opinion, he's an adequate to below adequate quarterback. I saw every down he played for the Raiders the last few years. Very disappointing. Okay. Very disappointing. So for, for the Jets, I think it's a blessing in disguise, especially if they get Rodgers. On a Yankee point, I, you're a huge Yankee fan, just like me. Will they give these young guys a shot? Please. I don't want to see Hicks and left. I don't want to see uh, IKF at short, which I don't think we will. And I, don't, I really don't want to see Donaldson at third. It should be LeMayu. And the rest of the infield should be young. And I don't think they're going that route, uh, especially at second and short, obviously, because they're just the Yankees. They have to, they have to give every young guy an opportunity to get 1,000 at-bats in the minors. That's not what other teams do. Yeah. Such as the Astros and the Braves. Yeah, but the you Yankees the Yankees are the smartest guys in baseball in their mind. They're always the smartest guys in the room. Thanks for the call, Rich. What I'll say about that is it's business. There's a such thing as service time manipulation. We've seen it, right? Go look up Chris Bryant and what the Cubs tried to do with him, which, which, they, which they did. There is a such thing as putting a guy in the minors and uh, trying to, you know, on the business side, own him longer, own the rights to him longer. And it's not all set up to just, okay, play the best players. And I love that Judge said that. Hey, I don't care if you're 19 or 41. If you're the best player, you should be playing. But you hear me say all the time, the Yankees die hard on two things. What? Their trades and their contracts. They are they will go to the grave with guys that they traded for or that they tendered a contract to. Above putting a young guy in position to succeed that might be ready. But I think this is the year. This is the year that you see a combination of young talent that's not expensive yet and the veterans that cost a little bit more. And my hope is that combination leads to a potential run through October. 877-337-6666, the 11th hour, coming up next. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? 
Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.